Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact podcast. I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer with Uplifting Impact. And I'm excited to be hosting you today as we dive deeper into our journey to make the world more diverse equitable and inclusive. I'm excited today to have with us for a little chat, a little fireside conversation, both Deanna Singh and Tamira Washington Ramsey will introduce themselves in just a moment. So let's start off with Deanna Singh. Hey, everyone. Hey, Justin. Hey, Tamira. I'm so glad to be here with you. Uh, My name is Deanna Singh, and I'm the chief change agent here at Uplifting Impact. I love being able to have conversations about inclusion, like love, 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 love. But the only thing I really love more is when I get to do that with Justin and Tamira. So very excited to be able to be here with you and to kick our podcast back off again. And hi, everyone. My name is Tamira Ramsey, and I am the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Associate Consultant here at Uplifting Impact. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with me, I'm really excited to be joining you all this season on the Uplifting Impact podcast. And I'm super excited for you all to learn more about me and to work alongside Dina and Justin on this new season. So hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And of course, if we could... Through the powers of technology, we would take a moment and have you all out there introduce yourselves. But unfortunately, we can't do that. But we'd like to say hello and welcome. And we're so glad and excited that you're here. We've had a whole lot going on since the last time that we spoke. Is that right, Deanna and Tamara? So let's, let's catch them up. Let's tell them a little bit about what we've been doing. Absolutely. Um, So I'll start with a couple of things. One thing we've been doing so much of is traveling. You know, it's bad when, um, you know, you get onto a plane, they're like, oh, hey, Deanna, how you doing again? (laughs) 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 Um, But I'm really grateful to you. So I feel like there's been so many things happening uh, in the last four weeks. If I've counted correctly, I think I've been in like 15 cities. And uh, Justin's been doing a lot of that traveling with me too. Justin, how have you been feeling about all that travel? Because I know that's not always your normal your normal thing. Well, it's been really great, though, like seeing going all over the world and seeing different things and different approaches. And that's what is exciting is you get invited in to kind of lead some of the conversations and then you kind of blend into the background and end up learning a whole lot more. So we're invited and really excited and honored to be able to go in and provide training, to provide insight, to share what we've learned. But the best part about it is doing a whole lot of the learning and seeing where different people are and their DEI journey in all the different things that they're doing and seeing how it's like differs from different places in different industries and in different sectors in different parts of the country and different regions. So that's been very exciting. But also beyond jet setting all over the place and going in person, we've had all sorts of exciting opportunities that have happened virtually as well, mm-hmm. uh, launching the Bridge Builder Institute, where we have a learning community. And that's been really exciting. Having kind of sustained engagement with people over weeks and hearing what they're doing. Because the greatest thing that's really exciting about this inclusion work is it's inclusive of all sorts of different styles. 
that there's never another person just like you. There's never another approach. And it's one of those learning communities and approaches to doing things that invites all kinds of diversity. Who knew diversity, equity, inclusion to be so inclusive <laughs> and invite so much diversity of thought and experience. So that's been very exciting. Yeah, Tamara, what about you? What's been up in your, in your neck of the woods? Well, I mean, to piggyback off of what the both of you said, I think one of the greatest things about this new membership platform is it really allows space for those individuals who are trying to do their best within their organization with the resources that they have. And I think that has been something that's been amazing to watch these past couple of months and throughout the summer as we built this program and launched it with different organizations and different people is really thinking about the ways in which inclusion works for you as an individual and on an individual level? And what are those things that you can implement in your everyday life and not just within your organization? And so that's been something that's really cool, really amazing to watch. So I really appreciate that work that we've been doing, not just in the organizational space, but in the individual space as well. I think it's yeah. also interesting to see not just the changes in like the things that we've been doing, but to see the changes out in the world the ways in which inclusion work and responses to it and perceptions of it have changed very quickly. Have you all experienced that as well? How have you seen perceptions of this work and engagement with this work and approaches to it change rapidly in the last, even since we, the last time we met all these folks out here? So I've seen so many different things um, transpiring. And I do think like this whole notion, like tomorrow, what you were talking about, this idea that people are thinking about what they can do as individuals. It's actually been really inspiring to me, right? Because I do think like, I'm the type of person like I love the policies, right? Like I love thinking about the big strategic things that are going on. But I also really love being able to talk to individuals one to one, like people who are leading their teams or leading their families or right, leading in their organizations, like figure out, oh, wait, I'm part of the solution. Right. And, and this is how I can be part of the solution. And so that's been like really fun. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that we um, have been doing is we've been talking a lot about micro inclusions. So that's been kind of neat too, right? Is that like taking it not just from the organizational to the individual, but also from the like really big to the the micro, like what are the micro things that people are doing and watching people do those things and then build their momentum has been awesome. Tamara, what about you? What, what, what have you been seeing out there? Cause you do so much frontline work, you know, especially in guiding people as they're making this journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the shift, the biggest shift that I think has been, so amazing to watch is that from an organizational standpoint, a lot of organizations have been thinking so broadly and so bigly about like their strategic recommendations or their strategic plan or how they're going to do this overhaul of their operations or procedures and policies. And I think as of recently, we've seen organizations become more mindful of not just like their stakeholders, but those individual people who exist within their organization and what their role is within the diversity, equity, and inclusion space as well. And so putting more attention and being more um, being more mindful and intentional about including those everyday people, not just the upper management or the C-suite, but people who are doing the client facing, front facing, people who are working in their stores or working in their factories and trying to come up with creative ways in which they can participate in inclusion as well. 
Well, I know that's all the really fancy, cool, professional stuff that we've been talking about. But what about some of the fun stuff, too? Because people like to... So- <laughs> Because they see us, they see our heads, they see us talking, they see all these great ideas coming up. But they're also, it's interesting, the questions that we get where it's like, what's life like behind the scenes? Like, what are the personal things that you all are doing? So what have you been doing for fun? We'll go Deanna, <laughs> Tamira, and then I'll throw in my two cents because I'm the least fun out of all of us. That's not <laughs> Wait, good, saying, What do you do to have fun? I say nothing. <laughs> I'm suspicious of fun. Um, you know what's been so awesome is our children. Uh, so Justin and I, for those of you who don't know, Justin and I are married. Uh, we have two boys. They are Zion and Zephaniah. They're 10 and 14 years old right now. And they are actually in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it is so cute. They're in a professional theater company called First Stage Milwaukee, which we are big fans of. If you're in the Milwaukee area, please go and check them out. They've been amazing seasons every single year. Um, But the children are performing in this show. And uh, one of them is an elf slash reindeer. The other one is a Snowkin slash elf. Um, I feel like slash something else. But anyways, they're on the stage a lot. And they're part of the ensemble. And so it's been so fun because Justin and I, I think we've been to like, what? maybe 10, maybe a dozen shows already. We probably have like 10 more in our future. And we sing the songs all day long. (laughs) All day long. Cannot get it out of our head. But what I will tell you is that even though like, you know, that that's been, you'd think like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like how could that ever be about diversity, equity, inclusion? Just what's the one line? Uh, We were talking about it just this, this morning. Oh yes. Yes. We were in (laughs) San Francisco. Oh no, we're not in San Francisco. We're in Palm Springs. That's right. We had an awesome time with ASAE, the American Society for Association Executives. They had an awesome summit on conscious inclusion. So shout out to all of those folks. But we were there about ready to go in. And we found ourselves singing the song that Hermie, the elf who wants to be the dentist, and Rudolph sang, (laughs) that's called We're a Couple of Misfits. And there's a part where they said, who decides the test of what is really best? And I was at the end, I'm like, are they talking about reevaluating performance reviews, hiring <laughs> criteria, and internships? Because <laughs> if you think about it, it's the elf who wants to be a dentist. And everybody's like, you're awful at what you do. It's like, no, I'm different. And Rudolph, it, it always strikes us. We're like, what is the motivation that all the reindeer, and Santa included, says, obviously, Rudolph, we can't do anything with him because his nose glows. I'm like, wait, it's just different. And so that line of who decides, who decides the test of what is really best, and then... At the end, the misfits save the day. The dentist saves them from the bumble and the Rudolph <laughs> shiny nose saves Christmas. Inclusion works even yes. in our uh, cartoon retelling of, of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So, yeah, so that's been like our fun thing. But also, I think, you know, generated a lot of conversation, even with our children, about what it feels like to be excluded and like what it feels like to be included. So that's what that's I've been doing room. for, for fun. <laughs> I think that's so funny. I feel like every time I talk to the both of you, you can find an inclusion message. <laughs> like my dad's a pastor, so he does that all the time. Like I'll be washing dishes and he'd be like, just make a good sermon. And I feel like y'all do the same thing. <laughs> oh, this is just like inclusion. We definitely can implement this. It's so funny to watch. <laughs> so what's been fun with you, Tamara? What's been, what's been fun with me? Well, recently... It's the holiday season. I love the holiday season. So um, anything from decorating the outside of the house, the inside of the house, buying way too many gifts, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
traveling to see family members. I think my favorite part of the holiday season is all the eggnog that comes out and I just stuff my refrigerator with eggnog and I'm so content with just drinking a glass of eggnog on the couch. <laughs> watching tv um do you do all the different flavors or are you like no just one flavor um i'll try different flavors but really just stick to regular eggnog and maybe cinnamon eggnog (laughs) and so i've genuinely been enjoying the colder weather and being able to be inside of the house with my family and my friends and just spending time with them and Again, being intentional about the time that I'm spending with them. So I always have the most fun when I'm with my family and when I'm with my friends yeah. and shopping, which is probably why I like the holiday season. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> well, I, I, I let you all go first so I can buy myself some time to think of <laughs> the fun stuff I do. And it's not all that fun, but it's, I enjoy it a lot. Like all that practices and performances that the kids are in for Rudolph I do like the transportation and I like it quite a lot and I think I learn quite a lot about inclusive leadership as well because you know you're in the car there's nothing going on and if I stay quiet long enough and don't fill up all the space with my ideas and what I want they reveal some pretty profound things and I learn a lot so taking a moment leaving the space for people to fill in with their ideas has been really educational for me and I've learned quite a lot. So, yeah. All right. So Tamira, we know you, we know how awesome you are. We know all the great stuff that you're doing, but why don't you tell the rest of the folks out there a little bit more about you and why the rest of us love you so much? Yeah, of course. Well, like I mentioned earlier, um, my name is Tamira Ramsey, and I am the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Associate Consultant here at Uplifting Impact, which means I have the pleasure of working with Deanna and Justin and working alongside them and all the awesome things that we do here. Um, Just a little bit more background information on me. I graduated from George Mason University with my bachelor's in biology, which Seems like it has absolutely nothing to do with the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, but that's kind of how life unfolds sometimes. When I was there at George Mason, I actually had this amazing professor. Um, I would take her classes for the rest of my life if I could. That convinced me to pick up African-American studies as part of my degree. And so taking those classes and being there with the students who I was working alongside in independent studies and just being in those classes, it really changed the trajectory of my life and what I saw myself doing long-term and the impact that I wanted to have in the world. And so from there, I decided really to commit the rest of my life to creating safe spaces for marginalized communities. Even though I, I say it fell into my lap, but I wouldn't necessarily believe that because I have two parents who are both in the helping industry and they do a lot of community service and they have their own nonprofit. So I feel like helping people is in my blood and I would eventually fall into a role similar to what I'm doing now. Um, Eventually, no matter what I thought I wanted to do with my life (laughs) (laughs) since I was a child. Um, And so that's kind of what brought me here to Uplifting Impact. And so since then, I received my professional certificate in DEI from the Wisconsin School of Business. Shout out to Justin and Deanna for teaching an awesome class and an awesome certificate program. And now I'm actually (laughs) in the process of getting my master's 
and urban health. And so I'm excited to see the ways in which working in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space translates into community work that you can do to create access to resources for people within urban communities. Um, so that's kind of how I got here and what my goals are. And I think while I'm not in school or doing work or with my family, it sounds so cliche, but I do a lot of community service. I love serving the community. I love being boots on the ground, being able to be in those communities and help people. Um, like I said, it's in my blood. And so I spend a lot of my time volunteering with the nonprofit that my mom and dad run in Camden, New Jersey, and just being able to spend time with the community and listen to them about the resources that they need and how we can help. Um, so that's kind of a little bit more about me. I think some fun facts about me is that my favorite color is yellow. <laughs> yellow. And even though Uplifting Impact's logo is an elephant, my favorite animal is an elephant. Way more. <laughs> Are you sure that was before? I don't know. <laughs> I have elephant figurines all over my house. Oh. My husband, he hides them because I always <laughs> too many elephants all over the house. <laughs> so awesome. It's so awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you co-host the, the season with us um, because I always say, I'm like, I always get to talk to Tamira and I get to hear like all her insights and stuff. And so being able to bring that um, to the rest of our audience is pretty exciting. So thanks, Tamira. Thank you all for allowing me to join. I'm really excited as well. Cool. So I mentioned before kind of about the what's been exciting is people finding ways to create micro inclusions and really find themselves in the work. Because at the beginning, I think a lot of DEI practitioners were so used to encountering resistance from higher levels. So they focused on the programmatic. They focused on systems. They focused on policies. They focused on the strategic planning because that was the policy level things that got the most attention. And it's interesting to see that change so quickly and people say, okay, but also what about the individual work? Where like, I think a lot of the people that I talked to, even on this podcast, were at the beginning like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of resistance to focusing on individuals and how this work impacts them because it's seen as too soft, too vague, too amorphous, too mushy and too emotional. You know, it's not respectable. It's not professional. It's not business. But it's interesting to see how much that has changed and people emphasizing, wait, I want to learn about the micro inclusion. Wait, I want to learn what it means to be an inclusive leader. So it's not just about the big policies. So the question that I have for you folks is what do you feel like your area of expertise when it comes to micro inclusions is? Like, How do you all find your individuality and your unique version of putting inclusion out in the world? Um, I think when we're talking about micro inclusions and trying to come up with ways in which this could be um, relatable to those individuals within organizations, I have fun being very creative about the stuff that you can do. Um, I think people respond when they can see themselves in the work that you are trying to do. And so just making sure that it's something that people would enjoy and not just something that feels like a chore, feels like something added on to their everyday responsibilities. I like being able to think about the things that we already do well or the things that I already enjoy doing and how we can just tweak them to 
be more inclusive, how we can improve them, and how can we be more intentional about the stuff that we're already doing in order to have a more diversity, equity, and inclusion mindset. And I think sometimes people think of DEI and they just think of their workplace or they just think of their nine to five or clocking in or their hourly time spent at their organization. But it's so, like you all were just mentioning with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Like it's so um, translatable in everything that you do. And even if it's just, I wanna be a better person, that's still DEI and finding out were the opportunities for you within your everyday life to be more inclusive and be more equitable with everything that you're doing. And so I think taking this approach of it doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be new is something that helps when you're trying to find those micro inclusions and implement DEI at the individual level. I think also Tamara's skill is fine. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be boring. Tamara finds a way to make it fun. So like we have so many conversations behind the scenes where I'm like, all right, this is what micro inclusions look like. And then she'll come back like, you know, it could be like fun too. <laughs> so I feel like that's your, your, I your sauce st- it up a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah saucing it up. What about you, Deanna? What do you feel like is your micro inclusion approach your superpower when it comes to inclusivity well before i say that i just want to compliment um to Meyer too because you know mm. there's so many times where like you get stuck in doing things a certain kind of way and you it's easy right like even those of us who do this work and we're practicing this work will be like oh well, this is the way I've always done it, or this works, or this is, you know, and like, it's, again, it's not even like a malicious thing, but it's like easier, right, to just do things the way that you've done them or whatever. And I I think that one of the things that I really love about Tamara and the rest of our team is the willingness to say, hey, can we try something different? Or could you look at this? Or what do you think about this? And I, and all of you are going to get to see this now, you know, and hear it uh, through the through the podcast because you'll see like that we all have very different perspectives on how this work comes together, and it's our different perspective that I think actually makes the experience more meaningful, right? So Justin is going to come at everything from like a very like academic perspective. He wants to have every quote, have read every article, like do all the things, and I I love that, right? Because it's it. It's something that Tamara and I both enjoy. I, you know, we both like research and we like data and we like all the information. Not like we, Justin, but though. not like Justin. No. Uh-uh. Very few people like. It's, like a whole, it's just like a whole other level, right? And I'm like a very practically minded person. Like, I want to understand like how does this impact that immediately, right? And I. I want the circumference of the knowledge that I want is probably like really like tied to just those components, right? Like I want to know the practical application of every single thing that we ever talk about and ever do. And Tamara, what I see you doing all the time, and it's just, it's fascinating to watch it, right? Is the ability to understand and appreciate the academic side, understand and appreciate the practical side. And then when Justin and I are like, wait, what's this? What's that? Like to come in and be like, hey, let me show you how these things connect or let me show you how to build these bridges and vice versa. Right. When Tamira has something that she's like really like invested in, like this is the way that we think, you know, I think it, it should move forward. She opens up and says like, okay, but Justin, how would you add some of the academic, right? Like, so it's really cool. Cause not only do you help facilitate it, but you also like invite it into your own thought process. And I like, as a team, I, I just, I love 
I, I almost like love those moments where I'm just like watching it as a fly on the wall, like, woo, how's Tamara gonna make this saucy? What'd you say, saucy? Saucy. How's <laughs> Tamara gonna make this academic? Wait, where can I put some practicality? And you know, that we have a lot of fluidity. And what, what that's helped, at least for me personally, I think what that's helped is it's helped me grow and helped me learn more than I could have ever learned by myself. And so, what's my superpower? I don't know. I'm not sure that I have one, but I, I think that one of the things I try to do is not only like build those bridges, but also when they're being built, like recognize them and try and elevate them. Um, it's probably the way that I would put that. But I think lots of people have a hard time doing that because it's scary. Like having, mm -hmm. it's easier to have the program. It's easier to have the structure. It's easier to have the predetermined notion of the way things are supposed to go as opposed to I don't know. Let's listen, improvise, and adapt accordingly. So how do you all deal with that? Like, I mean, with the <laughs> getting saucy with inclusion <laughs> and having to, especially like listen to other people's stories. I think you folks are really good at creating space for other people to share their approaches and inviting them to. But why is that so important? Why is that better than why is listening to other stories, other perspectives, why is that better than, oh, I've got an idea, let's just go ahead with it because it's so much easier. <laughs> what would you say to my room? Well, I think you kind of just answered your own question, Deanna. <laughs> we answered it too, right? Like it's easy to stick to what we know. It's easy to just go with whatever ideas the C-suite or go with whatever ideas our managers have and just implement it that way. But the truth is, is like, there aren't the only people who have to be participating in the work that we're doing within our organizations. There's so many different people behind the scenes and so many different people involved. And working in diversity, equity, and inclusion gives you an opportunity, again, to be intentional, to elevate those voices within your organization. Because if you try to implement something that no one can see themselves in, um, no one understands where these ideas came from or how these conclusions were made, like you won't have any buy-in, people will not like it, you'll have so much resistance. And being able to include other people's voices and just them being able to see that their ideas were at least listened to, even if they weren't implemented and even if we didn't elevate the idea, just knowing that my voice was heard and that they listened to me and they created a space for me to share my thoughts and my feedback and my opinion it just does wonders for an organization and it does wonders for their initiatives because people will be excited about them opposed to feeling like this is something that was imposed on them from the top down. And then what do you do? And this is for anyone to jump in. What do you do with, because oftentimes with that scenario of like listening, we imagine listening to those who are ignored, those who are marginalized, those who are usually not listened to. But what about those who have the perspectives that grind inclusion to a halt? What place do they have? Because that's the hardest listening to do. Like the people that we talk to, like, oh, you know, I understand having contradictory and inconsistent perspectives from all over the all over the spectrum. I understand having trying to take all kinds of opinions and bring them down. I understand that's complex. I understand that's confusing. I also maybe know how to use different avenues of feedback to bring in people from groups who've been socialized not to share those ideas. But what about the other group? There's maybe like a third group. 
about those folks who are completely fine and confident with voicing their opinions that are difficult ones to hear, who believe that inclusion work is compromising quality, compromising value, undermining the organizational mission and its success. What do you do when, it's, when it comes to listening to those perspectives and what role do they play? I think those are some of the most important perspectives. I mean, you know, Tamara and Justin and I, we've talked about this, right? Like there are so many times where when we find somebody who's like in opposition or has some resistance, like that's the person we want to talk to the most and want to listen to the most because I think that they're the ones who help us understand like where the challenges might actually exist. And so often um, what is at the core of that are kind of like a couple of things like, and please feel free to add, but I think one of the big things is like, does this mean I'm going to be excluded? Do you know what I mean? Like, am I not important or like, am, and it's not, that sounds very selfish, right? But it's not really selfish. It's just more like, I don't see myself. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, this is just for people who are over there. And so there's like this or thing, like if you help them, then you can't, you can't help me or I'm not going to benefit. I assume it's a zero sum game sort of thing. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really important because once we understand, if we know that that's the case, then we can help them understand that, like, what is one of the things that we do with every single thing that we we recommend to people? We always recommend that if you are going to do something, it's going to be inclusive. It truly has to lift all boats, right? Like it has to be, everybody has to benefit from it, even if you are focused on a sp particular group within your organization. And then once people like understand that and believe it and see it and see like the examples, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So now we're talking about something and it's not just those people over there. Like it's all of us are going to benefit, right? We get way more buy-in. Yeah, and I think to add on to what you were just saying, Deanna, too, is that it's important to include those voices along the way and not just at the end. Because what yeah. you don't want to do is have all of these conversations and not <laughs> include those voices. Surprise! And <laughs> you're showing everyone what you came up with and you're met with even more resistance <laughs> because they have no idea where these ideas came from and who came to this conclusion and what these strategies are even supposed to mean. And I think being sure that we're including everyone's voices along the way to address those concerns and to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're hearing everyone's perspective um, is important. So when we get to the end and we come up with our great strategies and our great initiatives, everyone knows how we got there and there's no confusion on how these conclusions were drawn and why these are the things that we're working on within our organization. And I love that creating an inclusive space for all different kinds of voices and providing some of the feedback and some of the reasoning and the thinking, which is what we're trying to do with this podcast as well. We're trying to give people kind of the insights behind the scenes, a peek behind the curtain. Because, you know, we have like LinkedIn articles. We have all these other things. We have all these other ways for you to engage with us, which are maybe a little more polished. And you see the results. You see the product. Well, what's great about these conversations is you get to see the process. You get to see us not coming in with fully formed ideas. You get to see us having a conversation and building on each other and building things together. And also, it's really fantastic having opportunities for us to have these conversations. But then all the listeners and all you folks out there also joining in on the conversation, the ways that you uh, reach out to us, connect with us, and it informs what we do. So it's this conversation back and forth. And that's what I really enjoy about this podcast and why I find so valuable about all the engagement with you folks out there. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun uh, to be able to connect with everybody and to do this together. Uh, we spend a lot of time, the three of us with, and with the rest of the team, uh, working on things, but being able to do something that's community facing is pretty awesome. So thanks for joining for that too. Yeah. And please make sure that you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we're also available on YouTube as well. And so come on YouTube and see our beautiful faces and engage in this conversation <laughs> with us. And also there's other ways to engage with us as well. We mentioned the Bridge Builder Institute. You can go to our website, Uplifting Impact, and find out more information about engaging in our learning community so we can all learn together. Also, we have our How to Be an Ally Virtual Summit coming up March 1st to March 3rd. We hope to be able to meet with you all there and learn together. So... In conclusion, we're so glad you tuned into this week's episode of the Uplifting Impact podcast, and we need more people like you to help us uplift the impact. And in order to do so, be sure to share this episode, comment on it by going to our website at upliftingimpact.com, or provide your thoughts directly to us through LinkedIn at Uplifting Impact, Justin Ponder, Tamira Washington-Ramsey, and Deanna Singh. And until next week, keep uplifting the impact. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.